Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. I'm Doreen, for those of you who don't know me. I guess I'm Doreen for those of you who know me too. Um, Our uh, verses today are kind of from different places. Uh, We've got Matthew 7, Matthew 6, Ephesians 5, and Psalms 139, portions of. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. Why do you see the speck in another's eye but fail to see the beam of wood in your own. How can you say to your friend, let me remove the speck from your eye, while there is a beam in your own? You pretender, first remove the beam from your own eye, and then you can see more clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is single and unclouded, your whole body will be full of light. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and riches. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Search me, O God. Investigate my life and probe my thoughts. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me on the path that has always been right. First, I want to start by giving a warning about my message content, since I'm going to talk about a Northwest Yearly Meeting query. Queries can be helpful questions used for self-examination, but since we've had some recent years used as weapons, I thought I should warn you first. My thoughts on today's topic started about three years ago when I was sitting in a Northwest Yearly Meeting business session. The agenda was to discern discern on a query revision. No, it wasn't that query. You know which one I mean. Thankfully, it was a different one. The year before, the youth had been assigned to revise a query. The original query was about disciplining your mind and body to be an instrument of God by avoiding pornography, harmful drugs, alcohol, tobacco, and gambling. These aren't areas I currently struggle with, so I could check off the box and feel pretty good about myself when reading that query. Hey, I even attended Wheaton College, and I found out from my son that Wheaton scored a whopping D-plus for party scene in the college ratings. (laughs) Then they put up the new query. There were still some references to avoiding drugs, but the piece that stuck out for me was, how am I attending to the Spirit of God in order to live a life so dependent on him that I avoid any substance, practice, or activity that claims time or attention that's God's. Wow, no more check off the box of bad things and call it good. Any practice or activity that claims time or attention that's God's. That's pretty broad. 
As I thought about this more, God quickly pointed out that it didn't have to be just bad things that were distraction. There could also be too much of a good thing. I'm going to share some specifics from my life as an example. But remember, these are my distractions for God. Yours are likely something else. And it's interesting because I really struggled whether this was a first word or a message as I processed. So today there wasn't a first word, so maybe it's both. Uh, The one I felt most convicted on was work. I've always said I love my vacations too much to be a workaholic, but I can finally admit I am an achievement-aholic. I love to make goals, cross things off my list. Uh, Sometimes I'm too into crossing things off and I don't even think about whether the items are priority. During this time in my life, work was an overwhelming presence, and God was theoretically important, but there wasn't much time left over for sleep, much less family or God. Work was a big distraction from God. I once heard overwork described as gluttony, not knowing when enough is enough. God helped me see that I needed to change in that area. After many struggles, God helped me by offering me a new position, which had much more limited hours. And then my prayer wasn't answered in a way I didn't expect when I was laid off for a year. (laughs) So watch what you pray for. But that was a blessing. Now that I'm unemployed, this is an area I have to watch closely because I always want to accomplish more. Historically, I haven't been a big news watcher, but last year, during the presidential campaign as that unfolded, I found myself spending more and more time on the internet reading online stories. I remember the week I suddenly realized I'd spent way more time thinking about a certain presidential candidate than I had about God. Too much internet can eat into my time with God and distort my focus. Other common blocks are possessions, anxiety, cares of the world. Things we spend our time on can be a distraction and so can attitudes and thoughts. When Dallas Willard was asked for advice by a busy friend on how to be spiritually healthy, he said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry. In our society, so filled with distractions and hurriedness, this seems like good advice indeed. An attitude block for me is caring too much about what people think of me. I don't even care if they like me, but I want them to consider me competent and professionally successful. When I was between jobs, I enjoyed my time off, at least some of it. I was even okay without having the title of, or having an identity of a job title. But what really, really bothered me at the time was that people would think my job search wasn't successful because I was on the market too long. And if you still don't believe how big a deal this is for me, I'm going to tell a story from my life. I think some of you have possibly heard this before. In 1990, I was a newly minted MBA. I'd gotten my master's in business administration from the University of Maryland. Tim had applied to law school and we wanted to come back to the Northwest. He was accepted at Lewis and Clark, so we moved to Portland with no jobs and little savings. I had worked some during school, so I qualified for a bit of employment, unemployment, and I remember crying while standing, standing in line to apply. I also decided another way to make money would be to donate plasma. It sounded like pretty easy money to me. Don't know if any of you have done this, but blood donation centers aren't in the best parts of town. 
So I trekked down to Old Town, which coincidentally enough, I actually work in now, to find a donation center. Without judging, let's just say that most of the clients in the center looked quite different than me. I started reading all the disclaimers I had to sign, which were pretty large. And then I noticed one that said I could die. That caught my attention. What flashed through my mind at that point, though, was not that I didn't want to die and not worried about my poor young widow, widower, Tim. No, I was thinking about the shame, the shame that I would feel uh, from dying here of all places, surrounded by dirty people in a dirty place and as an unsuccessful MBA. That thought horrified me so much that the next thing I remember is medical people standing over me. <laughs> Thankfully, they determined my fainting spell disqualified me from giving blood donation that day. So it seems pretty clear that worrying about what others think is a very large beam for me. I think that's one that's so large that it has to come out in chunks at a time. What are your beams? So I was dilating with God during the business meeting session so that I, was, I hadn't been paying attention to the discussion of the query. And then my focus returned, and I realized the big discussion was about the fact the query said I. Uh, all the other queries used the U format, but this one used the I format. And that was a huge deal to people. This discussion then made me start thinking hard about self-examination versus judgment. There's a lot of judgment in the world. I recently took a class about communication. One of the guidelines was to listen first without evaluating or judging. Wow, I don't think I ever do that. I usually start forming an opinion before the speaker's even done talking. The other, on the other hand, I think today sometimes when people say, don't judge me, what they really mean is they want to be judged, but they want to be evaluated and their behavior approved by me. They want a blue ribbon stamp of approval sort of judgment. That also doesn't seem like the right thing and seems like seeking people's approval versus God's. The church I grew up in was super legalistic. Uh, my poor sister, whose son burns easily, was frequently given dirty looks by the ladies in the church for having too much makeup on. I also wasn't allowed to dance or attend movies till I was 16, and I remember being super, super upset when I could not see Star Wars. People were judged by their behavior, and it was clear if you weren't meeting their standard. I think many of us grew up in this type of environment, and it made us kind of leery of the term holiness or holy living. But in our desire to judge others, have we stopped the practice of self-examination, of inviting God to search us? I believe God does care how we think, how we spend our time, and how we treat our bodies. God doesn't want me to be critical of others. Um, judge not. But then he says, right after that, remove the beam from your own eye. He even talks about helping others with their beams later, or with their specks later. It seems God does want to continually help us to find and remove our beams. When I was working on this message, the verse that just kept playing over and over in my head was remove the beam from your eye. First it felt important because of the direction to remove beams, but then I just kept focusing on the eye. 
Why is the beam in our eye? Why isn't it in our ear or in our mouth or somewhere else? So after I kept pondering this, I found this scripture. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is single, or some couple versions say unclouded, your whole body will be full of light. Eyes give us vision and direction. Eye is where we let in light. Without our eyes, we couldn't see light. I've never tried it, but I suspect if I have a beam in my eye, I wouldn't be able to see very well. And if our whole body is full of light, shouldn't it be shooting out everywhere, out our fingers, out our toes, and lighting, being a light for those around us? There's a lot of darkness in the world, and it can use the light we have available. God wants us to remove our beams of wood so we can take in more light and give out more light, kind of the way the moon's light reflects the sun. Actually, I read technically it doesn't reflect, but whatever. <laughs> Astronomy wasn't my science of choice. To many people, the term Christian and judgmental person have become synonymous, as exemplified in this quote by Miss Maudie in To Kill a Mockingbird. Sometimes the Bible in the hand of one man is worse than a whiskey bottle in the hand of another. There are just some kind of people who are so busy worrying about the next world, they never learn to live in this one. God doesn't want us to blind people with our light by being judgmental. Our good works are how we shine God's light. The light of God in us can be warm and illuminating and inviting. I like this quote, so I researched Miss Maudie a bit more because I didn't quite remember her from the story. And it seems our Miss Maudie was a fanatical gardener. Well, that made me a fan instantly because I am too. Evidently in the book, Miss Maudie was upset by the foot-washing Baptists. These foot washers were judging Miss Maudie because she spent too much time out in her garden and she should have been spending her time inside reading the Bible. Which brings me to my final thought. We talked about things that take our vision off of God, but what are things that bring you closer to the light and help you be present in God's presence? These could be thoughts, practices, activities, places. For me, like Miss Maudie, gardening is one of those things. Seeing the beauty of the garden and God's creation, digging in the dirt, enjoying God's creation and helping create, that brings me closer to God. I like to pray and garden at the same time or garden as prayer. Other things help keep, get my mind on God, including meditation, Bible reading, this meeting, both the people and the event, solitude, service. What are the things that draw you closer to the light? I love words with multiple beam, meanings like beam. According to the Mick Dictionary, beam can mean the following. A long piece of timber suitable for use in construction. A light source shining brightly. A constant directional signal beaming for guidance of pilots. And it even had an idiom. When we are on the beam, it means on course. So, in case you snoozed off a while ago, I will recap my message in one sentence. I need God's searchlight to show me the beams of wood in my life which distort my vision. Then allow the full beam of God's loving light to flood my life, which will keep me on the beam, walking as a child of light and bringing light to the darkness. Sorry, I love that exercise in English class where you had to use the word in the sentence. And as an overachiever, the more times you used it, the better. <laughs> as we go into open worship, here's some queries to consider.
Do I regularly make time to ask God to search me and show me my beams, things that are a distraction from God and block God's light? How am I attending to the Spirit of Christ in order to live a life so dependent on him or her that I avoid any substance, practice, or activity that claims time or attention that's God's? What are the distractions from God's presence and priorities in my life? What practices, activities, or places draw me closer to the light and keep me on the beam? How do I let God's beam of light shine through me to be a light in the darkness? And now we'll go back into a time of open worship. <laughs> 